You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashofSteel.com. I am your host, your returning host, Troy Goodfellow, and with me today were the two men who held down the fort uh, brutally uh, last week. We have freelance writer Tom Chick. Uh, if anyone needs a coffee, let me know. I'll run in there and get you one. And freelance writer Julian Murdoch. If anybody needs any gin, tough noogies, I drank it all. I want to thank you guys for doing such a good job with the podcast last week. Uh, hey, brutal- we had we had fun. It's way more fun when you guys aren't on the show. You had Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guy. That was definitely the funniest part. Yeah. He probably hasn't even heard it yet. Uh, he least- probably never will. You well, think he spends a lot of time listening to podcasts? He tries to listen every week. He tries to catch up. So he can work in all of our in-jokes, because... He's all about the in-jokes. Well, Tom, you did an excellent job hosting last week. Uh, I don't feel that I was hosting. I I was co-hosting with uh, another fella, and I I think we both did fine. We missed you, though, Troy, and we're glad to have you back. I'm happy to be back. Uh, We have a lot to talk about this week, try to catch up on what's happened the last couple of weeks in real strategy games. Uh, Oh, you're you're a terrible little man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to playing Brutal Legend. I've heard uh, really good things about it, and it's once I finally get play get to play Arkham Asylum, Brutal Legend's going to be next on the list of console games I really Ar- Ar- Arkham Asylum is totally a strategy game. Well, no, but I've heard re- really great things about it first, so it goes first on the list. That's, ah, okay. So, no, all strategy games. I play RPGs and Facebook games, <laughs> <laughs> which can also be strategy games. They can be. The, they could I be just too. want to get this out of the way because I know that uh, that this might this might engender one or two, maybe not angry, but irk comments. Um, I've been playing Dragon Age Origins, and I had a great moment where it clicked for me, where I was playing it for a while and I wasn't into it. But the moment where it clicked for me, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm totally into this, was where I realized that, you know what, this is one of those uh, Bioware games that you have to approach as a tactical combat RPG kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I thought that maybe the listeners for Flash of Steel might appreciate that, y- you know, even maybe it's not a strategy game, but it taps into that strategy gamer corner of my head. And when that happened, it, it just absolutely clicked for me. So, well, those are the best to look forward to next week. Those are the best moments. I think of the Bioware games when you'd find, you'd end up in this huge battle and you were losing it all the time. And then you found the trick, the strategy, how to use it, how to use your weapons, how to, place your mages so they wouldn't get annihilated first. Uh, those are when the Bioware games really clicked for me when I really loved them, when I saw them as combat sims uh, yeah, with a right. good story involved. And I am well, looking that's, what, that's what Dungeons and Dragons really is. Yeah. Well, I'm glad here to see, and I didn't play a lot of Mass Effect. I, I got a little turned off of Mass Effect by the goofy asteroid exploration with the dune buggy stuff. But But one of the things that I'm glad to see is they are they're they're away from the Star Wars mythos and they're away from the Dungeons and Dragons license and they've instead built up a game engine from the ground which seems a lot more elegant and serves the purposes of being a really cool tactical combat module much better I, I think so uh, I'm glad to see them getting away from D and D but so far it has your thumbs up yeah yeah I'm really digging it yeah Good. and I'm, I've I've never been a huge fan of that I mean I've appreciated the Bioware games but uh, Never been a huge fan. So I'll be running a, a series of game diaries at Fidget uh, starting yesterday. So maybe there will be a link at the bottom of the podcast. 
There will absolutely be a link at the bottom of the podcast, and we can track your diaries with great interest. Uh, so what about some strategy gaming? Because, Troy, you mentioned we've got stuff to catch up on, and my first reaction when you said that was, we do. Because <laughs> I, I sort of have been thinking there hasn't been a lot going on in strategy gaming. All right, no, wait, wait, wait. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a Tom chick here. Tom, I want your – what are the top three things an excellent strategy game has to have? The top three things an excellent strategy game has to have? Yeah. Holy cats, I might have to uh, sit down and, and pull up some notes on that. Uh, I don't know that I could easily answer that off the top of my head. Uh, can, the top three things. I give, Prime the pump here, Julian. Okay, so, so would, you say that, would you say that making difficult resource allocation decisions is a key one? I like that, yes. I like that a lot. Would you say that uh, making complicated risk-taking decisions about whether or not you're going to lose something, whether or not the sacrifice is worth it. Sure, risk-reward. Yep, yep. It's a tenet of good gameplay in any genre, but absolutely in strategy gaming, yes. Um, So that implies that because there's some risk, there's some element of randomness in there. Would you agree that most good strategy games that we play on on the computer involve some level of randomness? Sure, okay. I'm okay with that. Uh, And then last... Would you say that uh, effective use of the theme in a game so that it's not just math with graphics but actually feels like either a historically accurate or historically relevant situation or a fantastically accurate and relevant situation, that that's an important component in a, in a modern you know, computer or console-based strategy game? Yes, as long as we're not talking about like Rainer Kinesia, in which case no, no, I can slide. It I, is. I totally agree. Sure, yeah. Okay, so by those definitions, the best strategy game I have played in recent memory is Panzer General Allied Assault for Xbox Live Arcade. Which oh, is did they port card- that, uh, the, the PC game from what, 1992? They ported it to the Xbox Live Arcade. That's very no, cool. No, no, what, what they did was they ported Chuck Krogel <laughs> from his career at SSI and put him at the head of Petroglyph. And then he got to beat on Ubisoft to make his favorite pet project, which was a Panzer General board game, which is what this is. This is a Panzer General style board game uh, in which you move miniatures around a little grid and you determine no, whether wait, wait, or not wait. they're successful or not successful based on card play. Not a grid. You mean uh, hexes? No, a grid. No, a grid. you can't have Panzer General without hexes. I'm pretty sure that that's, that's a rule somewhere. Uh, Chuck would disagree with you. This <laughs> I, don't, is, uh, I don't know. If, if I was to do a, 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 one of the top three things about Panzer General, hexes would be on that list. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so here's the thing about Panzer General. The real essence of Panzer General is unit abstraction, right? It doesn't care much about scale. It, it's really just about the interplay of sort of the core strategic elements in World War II conflict. Infantry, artillery, armor, air. Right. And and how those things interact in interesting ways without getting too nitty gritty and detailed. Right. That's to me, that's Panzer General. You're not sitting here worried about, well, I have, you know, 73 armor units on this hill, but four of them are, you know, depressed. And I've got 16 infantry units over here, but three of them are veterans and two of them aren't. Right. That's not the Panzer General like ethos the panzer general ethos is this sort of basic strategic interplay between these core elements of most world war ii battles and this game freaking nails it it does it better than any previous panzer general game and i've had everything from fast 15 minute engagements that were just sort of fun and crazy to three hour 
lockdown defend the city slugfests online with people that were incredibly strategic and tense all the way through. This is a mm-hmm. brilliant, brilliant game, and you're a bad, bad person for not playing it. Well, I meant to play it. I'll admit it was on my weekend list. But because uh, you've been talking about this for quite a while, all, all week pretty much, you've been twittering about it, and other someone else was twittering about it. And you say Ken Levine uh, is a fan. He's the he was the instigator. Ken Levine started like a little mole. He started sending out little IMs to people saying, "Buy Panzer General." by Panzer General. And we all did the same thing which Tom just did, which was to dismiss this and say, I own at least four copies of Panzer General, possibly going back to the Commodore 64. What are you talking about? Uh, and uh, no, this is this is fundamentally a board game. It is being released as a board game sometime in the next three months. Really? Like it's, it's, uh, yes, it's rolling off shelves in China somewhere to ship onto a boat and show up here. And it's basically the exact same game with a few very, very minor tweaks, like a little tiny bit of unit balance. There are one or two cards that are not in the, the online game because they're a little too situational to code easily. But it's the same game. Um, and it is both a brilliantly balanced board game and a brilliantly balanced online experience. Uh, this has actually been on my radar for a while. I was being facetious, but I did know that this was coming. Uh, I was looking forward to seeing what Chuck and, and Petroglyph specifically. I mean, I they pull for those guys, and I think they've they've had some misfires. So it's nice to see them sort of scaling down and doing yeah. something sort of more focused. Uh, and elegant. Uh, so there's there's another one I'm looking forward to, which I can't think of the name. That's a counterpart to this on the PlayStation Three. That's something where you're fighting on a, a hex-based map, and each hex isn't only a place you fight over; it's a resource. So you end up consuming the hexes, and the map falls apart as you play on it. Uh, is that ringing any bells for you guys? No, but it sounds cool. So it's because I remember that and uh, this this Panzer General were sort of announced at roughly the same time. Uh, and thinking, oh, awesome, you know, these really cool strategy games coming to the PlayStation Store and Xbox Live Arcade. Well, um, and, so I'm glad and to hear it worked out. Adam. That sounds interesting, too. And the thing that's so great about this for me is that I, I've grown very weary of what what I sort of feel has happened to hardcore strategy games, on the, in, particularly in the PC, which is really, let's face it, where most of these are, um, which is I look at things like East India Company, um, or even uh, uh, Europa Universalis, the last one, three, right? Um, to some extent, they have become so complicated that I feel like the best that I'm ever doing is surfing over the top of the game design, right? Well, I know even though I'm like focused on one thing, there are 50 other things I'm not paying attention to, even in a turn-based game. Um, and there's all this math going on underneath that I don't really understand. I know it's available. I know if I really dug into every single unit and every single resource type, I would understand all of the complex web of influences. But you know what? Sometimes I actually just want to sit down and beat the crap out of somebody and do it because I was smarter, not because I read more about it ahead of time. And and that's to me a lot a lot of what's great about many board games and many face to face in person cardboard based war games um, is that real sense that you were in control the whole time you really understood the situation and that's what's so great about this game is that you really feel like you understand it which I think is a natural jumping off point to a game where I never felt like I really understood what was going on at all and don't really care with just Tropical Three. Well, I mean, first to go back to your point, I mean I. I... But to be fair to East India Company, it is not a hardcore strategy game. 
uh, and it's actually quite simple and straightforward. But yeah, there has been a very a real dearth of the beer and beer and pretzel uh, war games, especially for a very long time. Uh, well, and was, we've actually gone out of our way to talk about them here, right? War yeah. Plan Pacific, in a way, it was a was a good example of that, right? It was an attempt, um, yeah. I mean, and I was thinking, I mean, I was hoping a few years ago that um, what was that game? Uh, Shattered Union would be a good beer and pretzel war game, and it turned well, out not Ar- to be too Armageddon bad. Empires. Armageddon Empires, another great one. Yeah, but I'm not sure that's beer and pretzel. That really involves quite a bit of quite a bit of thinking. I mean, well, type, but you, pick up. I'm not, you can you can be a good deep simple card game, but you can't just pick up and play Armageddon Empires. Or you could pick up and play no. General. You could pick up and play People's General. Uh, that entire series. I mean, that was the stuff anybody just interested in the topic could leap into and figure out pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, by that token, I would say Panzer General actually requires a little bit more thinking than that. Certainly, but by the time you get towards the end of the single player campaign, well, certainly, but, really but, actually but, by, to... but by the end of the single player campaign, you've learned enough because it's, exactly. it's the end of the single player campaign. Exactly. So, so let's talk. Should we talk about Tropico Three? Since well, well actually, I want to ask first. So, Troy, you mentioned while you were gone, there there was a lot happening in in, in strategy gaming. I'm still sort of curious, aside from because we knew that Julian wanted to talk about Panzer General, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that turned out well. Uh, what else did you have in mind that you feel? Uh, Aside from Tropico, I guess, uh, were there other things you were thinking of that have been going on? Brutal Legend, maybe? N- not really. I was just lying. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's actually it's actually out. been a very slow fall for strategy games. Uh, I mean, the big news, I guess, is uh, Sid Meier's new attempt to have yet another version of Civilization uh, out there. No, there really hasn't been a lot going on. Uh, that I've noticed. I mean, the one game I've been following and looking forward to, uh, I just saw a YouTube video of it, and it just looks great. It's called Autumn Dynasty, which is a strategy game for the Xbox played with uh, paintbrush strokes. So it looks like you're doing Chinese Chinese movements uh, and you're just kind of sweeping across. Sounds sort of Okami-esque. Yeah, it's a strange-looking game. I just think, I'm not sure it's going to be any good, but it looks like nothing I've really ever seen before. And uh, it apparently won some prize somewhere, um, so I'm going to be looking for it when it comes out. But so far, no work. And what platform is that for, Troy? I think it's an XBNA game. XBNA? Yeah, it's one of the what, indie developed... Oh, the indie games. Yeah, I think yeah. they're just called Xbox Indie Games now is the okay. official title. Oh, so it's for the 360. It's yeah. not a PC release. It's a, release it's a, it's a 360 game. Uh, so I'm wondering how that's going to work with the console, because, you know, the... All the videos make it look so smooth, and, you know, anyone who's ever played Gears of War 2 with me knows that nothing I do looks smooth with the console. <laughs> uh, but have you noticed, I and mean, we'll talk about Tropico 2 in a bit, but it's a, I mean, the release of Cities XL, but uh, other than that... So I, I stumbled across uh, a, a, a precious little RTS called uh, Eufloria. Which at first I hated the name. I was like, that really sounds kind of stupid. But it really captures what they're trying to do. It has a very, if you've played the pixel junk games, like pixel junk Eden, for instance, where you're swinging a a delicate spider around these flowery uh, screens. Euphoria has a similar vibe where you are sending uh, basically birds to different planets and each planet has trees on it and the birds rustle through the trees and they end up fighting each other and they destroy the trees and burrow down to the core of the planet and it's it's got a very languid simple sort of vibe to it uh 
but it's a, it's an RTS. It's a real time strategy game, and it has. This is going to sound weird, and I think maybe this might uh, perk up you guys' ears. But it, it definitely plays by the tenets of of naval combat. It's sort of like what if someone made a casual version of Sins of a Solar Empire. Uh, hmm. So I, I and that that's a PC release. Um, I mean, I've seen video of this, and I have to say, all I thought of was, uh, as you said, Pixel Pixel Junk Eden. I mean, it just it seemed so derivative of that to me. Is it not? Oh, it's nothing like. I mean, the gameplay okay. is nothing like it. I mean, just the the fact that it looks a little bit like it. Uh, that's just sort of the general vibe of of its look and feel. But the okay. gameplay is nothing like it. It's it's a bona fide real time strategy game. Unfortunately, single player only. So each scenario, you're just sort of going up against a, sort of an AI setup. Although the AI can be reactive. I've been surprised. Um, but I've I've really enjoyed that quite a bit. It's uh, is it it's, uh, it's, single player only or multiplayer too? Single player only, unfortunately. But unlike other RTSs, it's really oddly calming. Uh, it's, it's very relaxing to sort of send these birds around conquering planets. Uh, I actually found Scent of a Solar Empire to be oddly calming as well. And that maybe that's well, a, a solar of action thing. Well, part of what, what's going on, I think, with Sins of a Solar Empire is you're never rushed. The pace is so drawn out, right. and that's to its benefit. This This game plays in much shorter bursts. Uh, it's just a, it, it makes for shorter games, and again, you're never rushed. It's just a matter of sort of uh, watching your birds fly around and deciding where you want them to fly and, and splitting them up into different flocks. Uh, so that, that's just something that I downloaded on a whim and ended up sort of wasting the better part of a day messing around with. <laughs> so hmm. you're a bird wrangler who conquers planets. You know, I'm calling them planets and birds, but that's not what they are. The fiction of the game is that they are seedlings that basically sprout from trees. Um, and the planets aren't planets. For some reason, they're called asteroids in, in the fiction of this game. Uh, but it does feel like wrangling birds. And, and there, you can zoom in and out. It's got this sort of Sins of a Solar Empire zoom capability. We right. can pull all the way back and just see the, the flocks moving around, and it looks like some kind of abstract art. Or you can zoom all the way in, and it's just beautiful watching these seedlings flapping around through the leaves of trees uh, and whatnot. Uh, and they, they add some neat little strategy, some sort of resource allocation twists, where how you develop each planet matters. And there are defenses, and there's scouting, and there's flanking, and, and it's really it's important that you hold back reserves. Uh, so it, it really, at, at the heart of it, is, is a naval combat RTS um, with a, with a mm. very languid, uh, sort of trippy indie skin are, over it. Are there are there cards and miniatures and big explosions? That would not lend to being a relaxing game, so there are not. <laughs> ah, okay. Okay. So that's my just, little... Just, just checking. All right. So those are your strategy games of the moment. Okay. So we have a recommendation for Panzer General Allied Assault and for e- Euphoria, a game that's not about birds. <laughs> but not for lack of looking like it. But not for lack of faking birds. Okay, right. good. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Tropico 3 uh, for most of the podcast. First, because it's a game that I've spent most of the time playing, and you guys all got your time with Brutal Legend last week, if you whole damn show about it. Uh, I'm actually very happy. It was a great show. I was happy to listen to it. Um, and Tropico, you've, you're all familiar with the original Tropico. And oh, yes. 
Yes. yes. And yes. even Tropico yes. 2, which we can kind of ignore for the purpose of this we discussion. Can we can Tropico 3, Tropico 2. Yeah, we can pretend Tropico 2 never happened. Uh, nothing against Tropico 2. It's just such an outlier uh, in the series because it is about pirates, whereas the other two Tropico games are about Banana Republic tyrants. Um, have, and here's where I'm coming through with this game as I played it. I finished up my review for Crispy Gamer. It hasn't been up yet. Hopefully it will be up by the time this airs. And one thing I realized as I played it, I gave it a, a try recommendation. It's a game that I have some issues with, especially because elections are too easy and it's so easy to make money. The game loses a lot of challenge once you discover the tricks and you'll discover them quite early on. And I kept thinking, well, why isn't this good as the original Tropico? Because it's just so much like the original Tropico in so many ways. It is it, the original it Tropico. Is, yeah, it is, except for a few small tweaks here and there. It is the original Tropico. It's a note-by-note note, uh, remake. And then I remembered I didn't like the original Tropico. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was kind of lying to myself. What I remembered liking was that liking the idea of Tropico and playing it and finding, oh, this is cute, and then moving on. Well, let's, uh, let let me ask you because you obviously played a ton more. Of it. I played like through the tutorial and like part of one game on my own right. and got bored. And I didn't particularly like Tropico One all that much either. What are the tweaks? Because as far as I can figure, it's still just about deciding whether you want to be Ava Perone or Fidel Castro, and then you know kicking the crap out of everyone as fast as you can to make them make more bananas or pump more oil. Yeah, they've done some stuff with the economic game. Um... The tourist stuff's a little bit more sophisticated. You have an avatar now that can actually walk around and do things, so you can actually use... Yes, that is true. So and that was can, one of the only entertaining parts, is that you can actually make this guy look like a total buffoon and make him stand on the balcony and give bad speeches. You can have him I walk around, it. and he can, he, can, he, can, he can quell protests before that to get a hand. He can take part in combats. Uh, he can uh, accelerate uh, the construction of buildings if you're a real priority. You can did move the first game have... Back. Did Tropica 1 have the speech-making component? No, and that's no, something actually, else I I also like the speech making thing, though it ends up was, it ends up breaking the game. Breaking really? the game? That's powerful. Because I mean, that's a powerful they're, assertion. Because, really? they're, because they're too powerful. Uh, presidential speeches. Well, are it seems like it. I mean, I didn't know, play enough to notice that it was universally that way. But it seems like you can just decide I'm going to make a speech and it's going to make everybody love me and give me all their money, and that's exactly what happens. I've pretty much I, I've given speeches and swayed thirty votes just by a speech. What limits how often you can give a speech? You can What's only the... give you only give them during elections, and you can choose not to give one. Oh, oh, the, oh, that's where you. Okay, that's different from addressing the people from the balcony. Yeah, no, you, you can address people from the balcony yes. anytime you want, and that's just you right. standing out there. But the election speeches are yeah. they're during the campaign. You have a chance. Okay, do you want to give a speech? Right. And you, the elections are really easy to win because you give a speech, promise something that people want, uh, hopefully have a tyrant that doesn't have a lot of bad speech-making abilities. You have to pick two neg negative skills. And you can... They promise, well, you know, if you give a speech and promise a church and don't build the church, you're going to be in trouble. I've gone entire games of building the church. And if the religious people don't like me, it doesn't matter. They'll vote for me if I promise I'm going to build them a church. I can lie and lie and lie and lie. And the speeches, as great as they are, as a great idea that ends up breaking the game, I think. So, Troy, I have a couple questions in, because this is kind of disturbing to hear. I'm really discouraged to hear you, you say this. Um, there, there are, there's the campaign you can play, yep. but then there are the, the challenges. And the challenges are part of how you set up, you can do a, a sandbox game, and you yep. can set parameters. 
and are is it maybe just a, a matter of the campaign is set to be very forgiving? Like, for instance, I would think if you set the political unrest slider yep. or stability slider, I forget what it's called. Um, isn't really there a way high, that yeah. you can finesse the game to be more challenging and to give you a greater reward, by the way, in right. terms of your score? Uh, and addressing some of these things that you're talking about, like talking about the speeches being right. broken. You have to Maybe go very, speeches you have to, are actually an integral part of how to win an election when you're playing right. at the harder difficulty levels. You have to go very extreme. Um, I was playing Islands, like, Challenges, and Sandbox, you know, 150%, 170% difficulty, and having not a lot of trouble. Um, you have to go very extreme and find uh, negatives that don't end up countering each other out. For example, if, the, if you don't want to make it too difficult, you cover some all to the left, super difficult, and then, yeah, that's going to be impossible. Unstable, poor, idiot tyrant, tourists don't want to visit you, you only have 10 years, and you're far away from this, and the superpowers are right on your doorstep, both of them. If you do all do that... Yeah, you, do they give you a loaded shotgun, put it in your mouth at the same time? Yeah, I yeah. mean, you're, you're, you're not going to win those. Uh, but if you end up you know, trying to create an interesting island where things are balanced, then it's very easy to counter one with the other. Uh, like a rich, unstable island, you can just buy off all your opponents. An unstable, poor island, yeah, you're going to be in trouble. But usually there's at least one resource you can turn out pretty quickly and you'll be in debt for your first you know decade or so uh maybe your, your f first half decade first five years you'll be going up and down but once you start churning out finished goods of any sort um unless the superpowers don't buy your stuff so you're so i, I want to dig into your original premise here which was that what you loved about the original tropico was not actually the game but the idea of the game yeah, I think that's a I think that's a really insightful comment because I, I actually agree. I like the idea, not so much of the theme. I mean, the theme is funny, right? I mean, I yeah, the Banana Republic thing, and and I will say that some of the some of the things in the new one are actually kind of entertaining. I like the radio announcer dude. Mm -hmm. um, he's yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to give the impression I hated the game. Actually, I, I found it very charming. Uh, very fun to play, and in many respects, it was a terrible word. Fun. It was enjoyable. Uh, I liked the animations. It was well crafted. Uh, but, but, written but strategically, like as a as a game experience, I like the idea of these really hyper confined sandboxes. Right. I mean, I I actually think that's a really good idea. I actually just find Tropico both one and three to be kind of frustrating implementations of that. They feel like a lot of hunting around menus to figure out why I did something wrong so I can fix it so I can win. Yeah, well, that was one of my complaints about the game is how it still uses this ledger thing when there are so many better ways to convey that information now than just a ledger. You could give me a simple graph uh, somewhere or a little uh, likability ratings and a small menu up in the corner, which factions hate me or like me, instead of making me leaf through the menu. Uh, Don't you think they do that to sort of because the idea of a lot of these city builders is to sort of be uncluttered and to show yeah. you the city graphics? I mean, I think that's an intentional decision. Yeah, but come on, like you can, can you can right. Sure, but there's, there's so much. Overlays. Could they give me a hotkey to just give me one big overlay that shows me all the stuff I actually need to know? But well, there's no such display. No, I mean, you have there, to. You there are all kinds of other visual ways to do it, though, Tom. I mean, look if the okay. if the if the religious faction doesn't like me, the the uh, church can fly a flag of distress or something, or the college can do something, or the school can do something. Well, but or even look at something like The Sims, right? I mean, The Sims down in the lower eighth of the screen. You, if you actually sort of 
get the right things toggled open presents a tremendous amount of information. I found in Tropico that, and, and in Tropico 3, that like if I wanted to figure out what was going on in some farm, it's like six clicks away to figure out what's going on with the farm. It's not just click the farm. It's click the farm, then go to this screen, then click on that worker, and then find out why they're upset. I mean, it, it, it really, it, it's frustrating in the sense that I feel like I should be able to just like, oh, there's a problem in my farm. I click on my farm. I should be, it should pop up what's wrong with my farm or at least pop up some graphic that makes it clear. Here is your farm management screen and here's the 50 variables you need to look at and here are the four that are in the red. And it doesn't do that. You really have to dig around sometimes, which makes but you don't manage like farms really- though, do you? No, you really. I mean, I, I very rarely. I mean, I was, that was another terrible thing. I was getting constantly reelected. But I'd let my people starve, so attracting so many immigrants. If nine people starve, I'd attract thirteen immigrants. So who cares? Right. And isn't that though a tenet of a, of a banana republic? Is that you can abuse your population that way? Yeah, and I was getting reelected by landslide margins. I was winning like 80% of the vote. I was starving my people to get 80% of the vote. I didn't have to kill anybody. I arrested one dude, and I, I shot a farmer to see what would happen. I shot well, a, this is you really know disappointing. So you're basically I shot a farmer to wa- I, I, I shot a farmer to watch him die. I arrested one, presi- <laughs> I arrested one presidential candidate. I ignored my military for a while to see if I could see what happened to a coup, see, see how the coup would happen. And, you know, most of my soldiers still loved me. Just one general didn't, so he ended up dead. Um, and I found this with the original Tropica as well. It was just so much easier to be a nice guy than it was to be a bad guy. You really have to go out of your way to be mean. Hmm. Well, so I'm curious, Troy, because it, it, like I said, this is really disappointing to hear. I'm, I'm bummed because uh, from what little I played, I was really looking forward to playing more. And I have a whole list of things I loved about the game here. But it, out of curiosity, then, if it seems like so fundamentally broken, if there's if there's really no gameplay there, why, why does it even get a try? Why, like, why, why are you sort of moderately approving of it? I'm moderately approving of it because it is, first of all, it's still very charming. It is, it's fun, amusing, and distracting. It's a light little trifle. Um, for a serious strategy game, it's not a serious city builder, and you'll discover a lot of these problems only about once the repetition starts to kick in. Um, I found myself enjoying myself in spite of the broken gameplay, is what it, what it came down to. With the experience where Wait. I know I know how this is going to play out, I know that the elections aren't going to be an issue, but I do want to complete these challenges. There's a great variety in challenges in the campaign, and they work your way, th- and they help you you'll get even better at making money. And the variety there is actually quite nice. Here's a really poor island. Uh, you have to export so much stuff in 20 years, go have fun. Uh, here's an island that is terribly unstable. Can you stay in power for this length of period? The challenges are very well crafted all the way through. Uh, so I liked that. Even though the challenges weren't that difficult, they were at least ver- well. They, they were here's, here, here's an interesting question then, because yeah. this is actually somewhat of the same kind of comment that the critics of Brutal Legend have made, which is that the environment and the story and the charm of it and the humor of it is really the point of the game and the the gameplay underneath it not so much. I actually disagree with that, but I've read quite a few reviews that yep. have said that about Brutal Legend. Um if if people had not played the original Tropico at all, 
it sounds like you would say this is at least a better version of Tropico and that that charm, if you haven't played the first one at all, is probably worth playing the game for a good 10 or 12 hours just for that, which I could see because there is a certain something that's satisfying and funny and 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 sort of snarky about, I don't know, playing Fidel Castro for a game. And there's a, there's a, there's a, lo- there's a lot of stuff to like. There's a lot of, of cute stuff to like. It isn't just you know cute and annoying. It's, a, it's a, a cute in a way that is appealing. Uh, it does tap into these warm feelings of nostalgia for the original, but also it's a setting that you don't see very often. It's creative with its challenges. Um, it doesn't pretend that poverty is going to go away. There are just always going to be shacks on your island. I mean, unless you're... Because you always have something more important to build, there are always going to be shacks on your island. There's always going to be poverty. Um, so it doesn't try to hide any of that, and doesn't doesn't tell you to make the perfect island. Uh, you have to start. You have to embezzle money. Your score is based on how big a kleptocrat you are. How much money you can actually steal from the economy is a big part of your score. And I, I like how kind of evil that is. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the, the setting is a big part of why I recommend this for some people. Um, yeah, I mean. We're always harder on these games than when we talk about them than I actually write about them. When I played it last week, I actually you know, had some really nice, some nice things to say about it, and some of them found their way into the review. But I did find the game was too easy. And I want to go back to my original point. I think this is an issue with strategy gamers in, in general. Strategy gamers, I think, are more, in many cases, drawn to an idea of a game as much as they are to game concepts and game strategies. That they like to play certain themes, certain eras, certain periods, and will forgive those games that give them that feeling. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So can you guys think of games that you liked, played, recommended, uh, even partially because of the setting? I think I I think I've been recommending Brutal Legend to people more than I might if I like if I hated heavy metal for some reason, then I probably would not be saying go play Brutal Legend just a strategy game and try to forget that it has anything to do with metal because to me the best part of that game is largely driving around and discovering stuff in that crazy world. I wouldn't recommend. I mean, the the appeal so far that I see of Tropico after spending. I don't know, probably a little bit more time than Julian did with it. I, I just sort of messed around with it. I did the tutorial. I did a couple of the missions, a little bit of the campaign, looked at some of the challenges. Uh, I, it seems to me the appeal there, and it's, it's why I'm, I'm really bummed to hear that the gameplay doesn't bear up, is it's not the setting so much as the the central premise of the gameplay mm-hmm. uh, in that your your primary resource is people, and they're named people, and they have stats, and they have needs, and it's a very sims Right, driven model, and it reminds me a lot, Troy, of a game that you and I both love called Crusader Kings. Yes, and it also reminds me a lot of Majesty, uh, Majesty One and Two. So I would say, uh, even if the gameplay is broken, like you're saying, Troy, I could see somebody who enjoys Crusader Kings and Majesty uh, also being able to overlook these faults that you're talking about being in in Tropico Three. To an extent, until you realize that the 30-year-old farmers have a 59-year-old son. Wow, how does that work? I have no idea, but that's how that those are the ages that come up in the family trees. <laughs> I don't think that's is there time travel involved in Tropico Three? Or, is, or is that or is that that somebody died when they were thirty, but their son lived to fifty nine because he was such a good dictator? And no, I followed the team. I said, "Oh, there's a thirty year old man walking around. He has a kid. That kid looks pretty old. Got on his kid. His kid's you know some old woman hobbling around the streets of a 
Tropico. Oh, you know what? It's probably by marriage. Or uh, adoption. <laughs> or adoption. Hey, there uh, is there are options for same sex marriage in this. this yes, there you can. So there are same sex marriage in this. Now, do they actually happen, it. or you can just ban them? I no, know you can ban no, them. They happen, can, and it's you can great. Legalize them. It, it's and great. Yeah, you can legalize. So I really wish I wish that Bruce was here just so that we can tell him about same sex marriages in Tropico and the fact that you can play as Fidel Castro. I want Bruce. To- <laughs> here's why. Here's why same sex marriages are so great because you have all these single men taking up space in your apartment buildings. So all these <laughs> ladies are living in shacks, or other men are living in shacks. So you pass same sex marriage, the men move out of the out of the shacks into the apartments with their new husbands. Nice. <laughs> Excellent. And Excellent. That is why same-sex marriage is a great lot of pass. That is so why something else. That is why you, the, the, the people of Maine should vote for same-sex marriage <laughs> next week. Maximize housing. Yeah. Uh, something else that I I can see myself. I'm still curious about Tropico Two, even to hear you say these things, because Tropico Two does some Tropico Two. Three. Listen to me. Tropico Three uh, addresses some things that I really wish they had done in Majesty Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that ultimately kill Majesty Two for me. And and the thing that it does is this sense of challenges. And yeah. what you can do is you can browse challenges online, and you can make your own and post them. And it seems, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, Troy. It seems like each challenge either has its a, a leaderboard, or it tracks your score or something, or you can submit um, your score. Uh, yeah. Do you know offhand how that works? Not precisely. I mean, it's. Okay. It's I mean, but, could, but what it does is it 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 drives. So in in Majesty Two, you play a scenario and then it's done. It doesn't record your score. There's no incentive to replay it and try it a different way. But in Tropico Three, there are these basically yeah. people sitting down with the the. It's not even a scenario editor. I mean, you can look at it that way, but it's just a, a random game generator, and you can set up parameters and you can set up a, a goal and a time limit. Uh, you know harvest this many bananas in this many years under these conditions and you post it and it's there it's a challenge it's a gauntlet thrown down online and it's an incentive to to replay the game using different criteria it's not just a a, a collection of canned scenarios with only one solution uh, yeah. and i love they did that and i really wish that majesty 2 had done, had done something like that uh, because after a, a majesty 2 scenario is played it's it's dead to me um, uh, Tropical Three is very well integrated uh, with its online community. I mean, you can, when you're finished on an island and you're happy with it, you can just submit the island online. I'm very proud of this island, uh, and other people can see it. They can play with it. They can mess around with it, whatever you want. Now you can only have one island up at a time, which I think is a problem. Um, oh, but you're sharing your your island, like yeah, it's yeah, sort of like sharing a, a yeah, same city, right? You're okay. putting it out there and saying, "Look what I did. I built, you know." Three colleges and one banana farm, and starved my intellectuals, all of them, killing the party. Uh, and I think that's a really great way to that uh, Hamamont has uh, made use of, you know, because leaderboard, there are, there are achievements and leaderboards and all this stuff, and I think that's great that Hamamont's uh, cluing into that and making use of that part of the gamer that wants to brag. And right. I'm I'm really happy to see they've jumped in uh, full force. Well, I'm holding out hope, Troy, because when you when you well, were you, talking about the difficulty sliders and you said that, yes, you can make it brutally difficult and impossible, uh, if you can go that far, then I'm convinced there's got to be some way to sort of bring balance. that in right at the edge of being challenging. Uh, <laughs> and, and, there could be a balance there I've been missing. 
I'll admit that. But but I, I'm curious now. I mean, but I, I just because I really enjoyed looking at the basic system and how it's character driven, and I, I miss that. Uh, and I like games that that do that. Uh, so, but I'm sorry to hear that it looks like the gameplay systems don't don't seem to work out very well. Yeah, I think it, I think part of the issue was I mean, uh, Hammond did hew so closely to the original Tropical model, and I think sometimes adding a they added some new things that ended up not being as well balanced with the old things, um, and they had to spend a little more time on that. But I'm quite pleased with it. I had a interesting email conversation with one of the developers at Haymont uh, the other day. He just sent me an email asking me for some Latin phrases or something. That happens to me all the time. I get tons of requests for Latin. And I said, because they'd done Grand Ages Rome earlier this year, and I said, you know, I'm kind of happy that Haymont's actually doing some interesting stuff with city builders, but even if I have some issues with the games, I'm happy to see them trying, trying things and actually get, creating some pleasant experiences. This is so different from the RTSs you made when you started out. Uh, King, King, Celtic Kings was the one that I mentioned, their first game, which I thought was a really terrible, terrible RTS. And of course, he replies back, oh, that was my first game. I really loved that. So I broke where, it. Where is Hammond? They're Bulgarian. Bulgarian? Bulgarian. How about that? So, Ivan, sorry I slammed, slandered Celtic Kings to you in an email, uh, but I am looking forward to whatever you do next. Uh, for all its problems with Tropico, it's one of those games that has the the touch of charm, the touch of talent. You can tell they worked on it and that they sincerely believed in the original franchise. Um, but after Majesty 2 and Tropico 3, I wonder how many more of these can get revived. You want to see a Sacrifice 2? Ooh, they don't I need to. The first, the first Sacrifice is still fine. It is. It I, is, but I'd love I'd love a graphics upgrade. I'm actually playing... Well, here's, sac- a, here's a, a better sort of a philosophical question mm-hmm. I have then. So Majesty 2 and Tropico 3, um, in ways, are almost like straight-up remakes. They hew so closely to the original designs. Uh, should we be criticizing them for that, or is that something that we should be glad about? Hmm. Hmm. I, my initial I mean, inclination is to is to think, and I'm curious to hear what you guys say. But my initial inclination is to think, you know what? I I think I'm okay with them hewing so closely to the original design when the original design is is so solid. I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think there is a a, a constant pressure in the industry to always be doing something I, new, and that that's not always a good thing. We don't really need chess 2.0. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, how many times have people like us uh, gone after the Maddens of the world for just introducing, you know, a new roster? I mean, it's... Well, you do... You, I mean, you don't... Right, that's sort of an extreme example, uh, but this doesn't seem nearly that bad. I no, mean, it's a, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying engine. it is. They, they, right. Right. Uh, but, but you're right, Troy. I mean, that's philosophically the same complaint. It's a matter of degrees, though. Uh, I mean, I'm... I think of it, but what we mean by hewing so closely. I mean, Majesty is a concept in many ways. Where it's a, it's a Majesty is a gameplay concept, where Tropico is a gameplay setting. Uh, and I think my issue with Tropico is the setting and many of the great stuff from the original, and didn't put in really enough of their new. Didn't take advantage of any of the new things that are out there. Uh, with Tropico, you're saying? Yeah, with Tropico, Majesty Two. Well, what about the? Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you say that about Tropico 3, but then what about all the stuff we were talking about with the challenges oh, yeah. uh, in the right. online presence, right. the stuff that we wish Majesty right. 2 had done? That's true. I mean, I can't that's help but think, you know, that's all new, that's, and that's that's a different new way of playing the game. But, uh, but, but will many people be using it? I mean, I think it's cool. 
uh, and the achievements are great, and you can't help but achieve them, um, in many of them. But are many people actually going to be using the challenges? Are, are city builders? I don't know. I mean, I can't. Are city builders really a world uh, where people are exchanging a lot of cities and challenges and having the death matches over high scores? Uh, is that the genre where that sort of thing happens? I don't know. Well, Maybe to the it game's is. credit, to the game's credit, I think they do a great job of putting it front and center on, yes. on the main. When you click on, uh, when you click new game, it asks if you want to do a, a campaign or a challenge. Right. So it's given equal weight with the the campaign. And as soon as you click on challenge. You know, it asks if you want to browse the challenges online. It, it even lets you actually, this yeah. is where I'm pretty sure. Doesn't it let you jump into a random challenge? You can just click yeah. random and it picks one online. Yeah. Uh, it just dumps you into it. Uh, so it's not, they're not hiding it. I mean, it's certainly oh, no. a prominent feature. Uh, so I don't know if, if, if people, like when people play a city builder, do they jump into the campaign or do they play a skirmish? Because here it's not identified as a skirmish. It's identified as, as a challenge. Right. Um, so I, it's a valid question, though. You're you're uh, you're right to wonder. Um, so um, I mean, I so and I'm and torn on the question of. I just uh, wish. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Troy. Actually, I'm I'm torn on the question of whether we want people who are doing remakes. I guess a lot depends on how old the remake is. I mean, if it's a game we haven't right. seen in a while, like Majesty or Tropico, then yeah, it's probably easier to forgive. You know, just a straight up remake because you know it's an engine update. It looks better, uh, but if it's we wouldn't accept that if it was the same game over and over again. It's just a constant refresh of the graphics, uh, maybe a new plot, and they're selling for 60 bucks. Uh, maybe a new island or two, but it's the same gameplay time after time after time. I mean, if, right. if, they, if Civ 5 came out next year, and it was just Civ 4, with, you know, which is a great game, I mean, would we be recommending it to people? We're saying, you know, play Civ 4, it's perfectly functional. But yes, I think I think time uh, and distance make a difference here. I'm, I'm happy to see both franchises revive. They're two of the great franchises uh, of the decade. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen more done with Tropica, though. I mean, really, it just it didn't feel different. What did you want? I I, I guess I mean. I certainly didn't want pirates, right? <laughs> you know, it's not like I wanted. It's not like I wanted a, that. Um, I don't know. I I would have I I would have just expected more, right? More more interesting things going on, like more variations on the theme that we'd already seen. I mean, Civ's an interesting example because you look at the difference between I don't know, Civ two and Civ four. They're very much in the same like line of descent, right? You can clearly see point A to point B, but they're radically different games, right? Civ four well, is yeah. like a Civ. I, I, so I guess I was hoping something like that, but maybe that's just unreasonable. Well, that's such an anomaly too, Julian. I mean, Civ Four was—I uh, mean, I would say well, it's revolutionary. It's Civ Four, one of the best games ever down made. the model, grooved on the rubble, and created something completely different. I think. Well, and it, um, and it also was one of the best games ever made. Period. Right. So that's that in my mind. And so you know, you don't get that every time out. I get that. I understand that. Do you How about do ninjas? Not, Would it you, have been better if they had ninjas? Ninjas, yes. The pirate thing didn't work, but ninjas would have been rocking. I don't know. I think we need more robots. <laughs> Zombie Tropico. Uh, are there really not new like resources, or can you not like? Did they have the the llamas in the, the first? The oil Tropico? thing is the oil thing is different, right? Yeah, a uh, lot more op- more options with oil. I mean, the economic games, you know, it's uh, oh. 
But other than that, I mean, the oil is just an easy way to make money. If you have oil on your land, or you can afford a an oil refinery, uh, you will have nothing to worry about. Right? Uh, aren't the vehicles? Which is new? very realistic, right? The vehicles are make people move faster. They don't have any real. It involves actually more mic, a little bit, little bit more micromanagement. You need garages uh, all over the place where people can get their cars. But, but is that micro? I mean, that seems to me just sort of like a, a counterpart to the way subways worked in Sim City. I mean, that's kind of new: is that you can have a residential, a residential area at one end, and you can easily connect people to you know the their the needs that they have to fulfill from the church and whatnot with a network of garages. Uh, I mean, that's that's new. I'm just sort of thinking of the new things that, yeah, that jumped out at me. You don't need many garages to meet your needs. It's not like you'll, not like subway stations where you'll need you know a subway station at every stop. You'll need maybe three garages on a large island uh, depending on how scattered apart your things are and you know farms are built in very inconvenient spots I mean they don't plant their crops you, you want them to plant your crops you know they'll take whatever open space is nearby and uh, stick crops there and then you can't use that land or you have to tear right. that yeah or yeah why are they like, doing that I have no idea are they People, get out idiots. of there you guys I want to build there <laughs> so uh I've found garages. I put one in different parts of the island so my miners can get to where they have to go to, uh, but I don't find they really change the game all that much. Certainly Did not. Did they do any new stuff with the superpower relations? They can invade you. Could they invade you in the first one? I forget. I, I think it was just a fail state. Like you oh, were, yeah. You I mean, they, they, you don't actually see the invasion. It's, you have been invaded. The end. Okay. I don't get to fight off the Bruce Garricks of the world. Stop my socialist <laughs> paradise. <laughs> but, Bruce uh, of the world. But, you know he'd conquer the Dominican Republic if he could. <laughs> Tomorrow. Well, the, the, the Detroit Tigers need a shortstop. <laughs> is that a sports reference? It is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, Tropical 3, I uh, cautiously recommend more for people who want to who, are, who want to experience, want the experience, uh, and don't mind having an easy game to play. A lot of people like easy games, and I like easy games. That's a, another strange thing. I like some games that are really easy, and but I like easy, fun games. Yeah, I know. I like I like difficult, frustrating games. <laughs> yeah, everybody likes easy, fun games. <laughs> um. So I guess that's it uh, for tonight. Thank you, guys. Uh, next week, we have uh, Chris Park, the designer of AI War, joining us. Oh, good. So please uh, stay tuned for that, and please stay tuned for later uh, in the month. Towards the end of November, we will have Vic Davis, our very first guest, joining us again to talk about Solium Infernum. And this time, hopefully, we will be able to keep the show <laughs> and not have to nuke it from orbit because it was so terrible. Uh, Julian, say goodbye. Goodbye. Tom, you podcast whore, say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Insert rap music. How, how is he a podcast whore if he's doing two? I do like five.